Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey, dear friends, we've got another amazing guest today on the Healing Art Show. I'm going to be talking to Jack Adam Weber. He's got a really cool book, so you're getting ready to hear the interview. I really love the idea of each one of us taking personal responsibility in our lives, and Jack's book is really interesting. It's talking about how we can take responsibility for our own self-healing and that how the byproduct of that then can help to actually heal our planet. It is fascinating. It's a great book. So settle in and let's hear from my new friend, Jack Adam Weber. I think you're going to really enjoy what he has to say. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So, you know, I want to share some really interesting and fascinating people with you. And that is how I would describe our guest today. Jack Adam Weber is a traditional Chinese medicine physician. He's a poet. He's an activist. And he's got an amazing book called Climate Cure. Heal yourself to heal the planet. He had me at hello with that. Because, you know, (laughs) that's how it all begins is with ourselves. Jack, welcome to Healing Arts. How are you doing? Thanks, Shelly. Doing well. Having fun. All right. Yay. (laughs) I love your book. It's amazing. I think it's incredibly timely right now. And I was just wondering if you could tell us, how did you come to write this book? Okay. Um, Well, the the initial coming to write it was, was by accident. I started to write an introduction to a collection of poems some earth-based spirituality poems um, many years ago. 
And that introduction kept getting longer and longer and longer. And then fast forward five years, and I wrote this 300 plus page book that grew out of the inspiration from these poems. And that, that collection of poems will be released um, probably early next year. It's titled Rebirth. Um, and some of those poems are, are in the book itself. But that's, that's sort of how it, how it grew organically. And if you're asking more of what kind of heart and mind went into the book, um, you know, I'm a passionate environmentalist. I love nature. That's why I got into natural medicine after being, you know, Western pre-med in college. And I, it just got to the point where the earth was so um, sick in a way that I couldn't turn away from recognizing that in order for humans to be healthy, the earth has to be healthy. And then as I delved more into how to make the earth healthier, I realized that since we're the ones that are injuring the earth so much that we have to get our act together. So my medical practice has sort of shifted in a, in a big way. And I sort of, like I say in the book that the, the earth is my, my biggest patient right now. Um, but I also work diligently um, to help people heal and help people um, develop integrity. So I would say integrity will be the, the big word in our discussion. And, and that's what um, the work really springs from. I was wondering, like, what do you think, so integrity, and how would you describe like the overarching message of the book? Um, Beyond well, that, 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 that's a two-part question, right? So integrity is, to me, has to do with integration, right? So there's integration, and then there's integrity that develops from integration. And integration means not bypassing. It means it means being at one and, and embracing in an unconditional way our human experience. So that, that there's a heavy emphasis on the book on emotional regulation and how to cope emotionally with difficult times. So integration derives from um, processing and being with, right? And embracing the difficult experiences that we have and the challenges that we have so that we're not splitting from our human nature, right? So we brace things the way they are and a lot of people dissociate from the way things are because it's difficult, right? So, right. so the cornerstone of, of integrity for me is, is embracing difficulties so that we don't split from our humanness. You know, one of the things we had a chance to talk before the show and um, you've got so many amazing stories. I was so interested mm -hmm. because you said now that you live in the lovely Ojai, California, but you are from Hawaii and you told me an amazing story about something that happened to you in Hilo. And I was wondering if you'd share that with mm -hmm. listeners and how that experience has also led you on this path and this passion that you have for the, the planet. All right, I'm gonna take a deep breath and probably several breaths during this story. Um, so I started writing Climate Cure about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of writing it, uh, I was living on my farm in Hawaii, uh, my homestead farm. It's a permaculture farm. And I had my clinic there and I had built my home there as well. and. So as you know, and most listeners know, there's lava in Hawaii. And I had never really thought that the lava would flow in my lifetime in this area. And that was very naive of me. So in the midst of 
I, building my home, I was actually almost finished with my home. So this was June of 2018. The lava erupted in, in May and it didn't get down into my neighborhood until the next month, so early June. And in early June, the lava came and this was the Kilauea, the big Kilauea eruption of 2018. And it flowed, I mm -hmm. uh, covered my whole neighborhood. So all the farms in my area, many houses in what's what an area called the, the house lots. And so our whole community was, was destroyed by the lava. And, um, you know, it is known that uh, lava eruptions are affected by human-caused climate change. So whether that's the case for Kilauea or not is unknown. But mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes, this was, you know, a climate catastrophe, right? Like a tornado or a, a flood or a hurricane. And yeah. so this lava was devastating. It's actually more devastating in ways for, for humans in our sense of home than, than other sorts of natural disasters. Because when the lava comes, like you don't even go back to your land, like your land is just gone, right? I mean, there's just molten lava over your land. And that, that lava is still very hot in the area that, that I lived. And they've tried cutting some roads recently into the area. They actually had to stop cutting the road at times because the lava was still about 800 degrees Fahrenheit. So I think they ended up ended up cutting the road but so anyway just to rewind a bit um so this happened in the midst of writing the book and so everything froze the lava didn't freeze but but i froze and a lot of our projects froze and and i had to integrate right i had to integrate this this loss this this trauma and this loss of of losing everything to lava losing my sense of community watching things just be broken apart. And I think it's emblematic of a climate disaster that, you know, tears us apart and tears our connections and our sense of community apart. So a lot of, a lot of my experience from that loss and the evacuation and the healing process that ensued became integrated into the book, because I, in a sense, I realized, you know, shortly after losing my place and evacuating that I said, wow, you know, this is, this is an initiation experience and it's probably no coincidence that you're being initiated into climate crisis personally. And so the way I've dealt with crises for most of my life is I wrote about it, right? So I, you know, turned that into lemonade the best that I could. And so a lot of the material in the book is, is from ground zero, really. It's ground zero of how to deal with anxiety how to deal with fear, how to um, deal with, with community breaking apart and in the process realizing how important a sense of community is, right, for connection. And so it's a big question you asked. So, yeah. you know, after I evacuated, I created a grief group. It was a healing group. And many people from the community came together and we cried and we spontaneously laughed and, and we healed together. And that went on for a while. And I'm, I'm still healing from the experience. And really? recently I've had discussions about the lava and people say, well, how are you doing with that? And, you know, what's that like? And I honestly say, I say that um, I, I still can't wrap my head and my heart around the experience. It's just, it's, it's a loss that I, I don't think I'll ever fully get over. And it's sometimes it's hard to believe that it even happened but it did happen and I've healed a lot 
and I'm thriving in my life, even though all that happened. So I, I could go on and on, but I'm going to cut that story a little short there. I'm just so sorry for your loss. I mean, everyone in the world watched that footage of just everything getting destroyed there. I've been there several times, but I can't even imagine, you know, what you must have been through losing your home like that. I mean, it was heartbreaking to watch. And I'm curious because, you know, now you're in California. And of course, we all know we've had to watch that footage as well of the fires just raging and right. things getting destroyed there as well. So how has that been affecting your recovery and I, I would think that you would definitely have um, something that's beyond empathy for some of the things that the people around you must be going through right now. Yeah, it, absolutely. And a lot of my, so the, the fires um, this summer and even well, last summer they did a little bit, there was a Woolsey fire that was a little bit south of here, but this summer we didn't have any fires in the immediate Ojai area. So I got to watch you know, from a distance, you know, good friends up in Northern California and Oregon, um, even into Washington, suffer from the fires and the anxiety, the loss, the dread, the, the um, you know, the destruction and the suffering was, was poignant. So it brought up for me, um, you know, my own suffering and my own pain in that way. So you're right. So the empathy is there. And I think that this sense of empathy right so when you're initiated when you go through personal loss really connects you it's very grounding as long as you don't dissociate from it so the sense of empathy helps us understand that that climate crisis is not just something that happens in our backyard it happens to our friends it happens to our brothers and sisters all over the planet and it's a global event so that even if things are quiet in our neighborhood for a while Right when you go through personal disaster, it's like that that place that that is um, sort of sacredly or wholly broken in ourselves, you know, opens up a little bit more, and we get to, you know, our hearts sort of expand into the 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 uh, a compassion for the world, and and that compassion I think is really key to motivating us to right action and to coming together in a way that matters. Um, so early on in my book, I quote a Nobel Prize winning um, psychologist, Daniel Kahneman, and he wrote, he writes brilliantly about psychology and the importance of the emotions. And he, I quote him early on and I, and he says, uh, for, to, to address climate crisis, it has to become an emotional issue. And, mm -hmm. and the reason he said that is because we're complacent, right? And, and even if there's a fire or a disaster in a city or a state nearby, it's like, we don't quite grok that, right? It doesn't quite, um, you know, occur to us that, wow, that's, you know, that's me in a way, right? right? I mean, that's what empathy is. It's that I am what you're experiencing. So, um, right, so having the, 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 the crisis become personal helps us become global so that we can, we can empathize and compassionately act together. And speaking of that, you, you talk about the idea of emotional intelligence and why that's so important in all this. So could you speak to that as well? Sure. So just give me one sec to kind of collect myself. Um, 
while you're collecting, I, I'll say one thing. Um, you say I'm it. trying to think about what you must have been through. I mean, I've never been through anything of that magnitude. The closest was um, many years ago, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, when Hurricane Hugo came off the coast and zapped the town just out of nowhere with mm -hmm. no warning. And we were I out remember. of power. And it's nothing like what you went through, though. But I, I can say that I was kind of young at the time, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, <laughs> But when I look back to that, because I tend to always think about only positive things in hindsight, mm -hmm. I do remember one of the cool things. We didn't have any power. So everyone was taking all of their food out of the refrigerator so, because it was going to rot. And we would come together and we started cooking together out on our grills in the backyard. And so everybody in the neighborhood would get together and we'd share food and we'd actually talk back out of our mouths. Yes, right. we, didn't, we weren't glued to the phones and the TVs. And we made real connections there, you know, which I think yeah. is part of what your book also speaks to is the community of it all, that we need to have that compassion. We've had an experience that's shared and that we can really come out, you know, better after we grieve and heal together. Right, right. I, I think what you bring up, and I remember Hurricane Hugo, and and it's, it's really key what you just touched upon. Um, so... In the book, I talk about our, our triangle of resilience relationships. And that's, that's a term that I coined. In our triangle of resilience relationships, I mentioned how a triangle is the most, is the strongest you know, geometric structure. And, and one, of those tri one of those facets, right, or aspects of the, one of the sides of the triangle is community with one another. The other two is our connection with nature and our connection with ourselves. And so, you know, in terms of community, and you know, I was talking earlier about coming together, right? So we need to come together and it's very difficult, especially in the United States because we're very autonomous, right? It's very much about the individual. And, and these disasters bring people together. People know that, but what happens is that we forget. So people come together through the disaster and it's like, oh, that was terrible. I wanna forget about that. And I think the important part is that we, you know, we can forget for a little bit. It's good to forget a little bit um, to, to sort of get through trauma, but we have to remember also, and we have to remember what is possible, not only what's possible in a negative sense, but what's possible in a positive sense so that we don't forget because these disasters, especially with climate change, they're not going to be abating. They're going to be coming more and more and more and we're already locked in, you know, a little climate science fact that a lot of people don't know is that if we stopped um, uh, emitting carbon dioxide into the atmosphere today, we would still be reaping the negative benefits of carbon emissions from the last 10 years. It's actually 10.1 years. That's what the peer reviewed study said. So we have 10.1 years from wherever, whenever we stop emitting all of our carbon dioxide and we're no, nowhere near doing that. So in other words, we need to remember our connection. We need to, and, and that remembrance is a lot in the heart. You know, the mind likes to forget, but our hearts need to remember that we're here together and we have to work together and we have to heal. And we have to become people of integrity. And, and this bit about being in integrity is that, you know, people often ask, well, how do you, you know, I, I can't do this alone. Even Greta Thunberg, you know, couldn't, can't mm -hmm. do it alone. But, but these are courageous people that stand up 
And in order to go out and be what I call medicine for our times, right? To be medicine, right? To, to be a healing force in the world, you have to get your own shit together, right? I mean, you have to be a person that, that can do that kind of thing. And so what I try to share in the book is it's a book about how to get yourself together. It's about how to process pain, how to deal with trauma that's, that lingers inside of us, that prevents us, that it's that trauma that causes us to freeze in the face of current traumas that remind us and trigger old traumas. So I say in the book, it, you know, if we are collectively loaded and bogged down with trauma, how can we possibly face the largest, arguably the largest trauma facing humanity in climate crisis? How can we actually do that when we're already burdened in trying to avoid the, the pain that's happened to us previously? So the book is a lot about healing ourselves so that we can become able, right? I say that a lot in the book. How can we become able to be the people, the kind of people that address what's before us instead of hiding and hiding and hiding and cowering? And a lot of that involves making certain sacrifices. And, and I point out that the word sacrifice comes from the word sacred, right? So sacrifices are sacred in a sense. And we have to acknowledge our sacred belonging and our sacred place on the planet. And without that sense of the sacred, we go on destroying the planet as we are. So a last point on this. So people ask, well, you know, how can we possibly cure this? How can, what can we do as individuals and, and as people without government support and without corporations help, right? Because they're the ones that continue to pollute. And it's, and, and what I share is that emotional resiliency and emotional intelligence so much of what we do in life and our habits and our addictions are to avoid difficult emotions. So facing difficulty means that we are not giving into addiction because so much of addiction is about getting away from our pain. So it means that when you become more emotionally intelligent, when you learn how to regulate your anxiety or your depression or your fear, or your anger, your, you know, and the, and the raw pain that you have, it means that you become a more regulated and integral person, able to act and pivot in the world in ways that are necessary. And you have a certain wisdom that you embody in the world because you've been in difficult places and you've learned and you've grown through them instead of dissociating from them. So, so in the book, you know, the, the two prongs are that we got our act together so that we can act personally and make personal sacrifices, right? So that we can survive. And it also means that we become integral and courageous enough and think enough of ourselves that we matter enough that we can go and address and that we can, and that we can protest and then we can lobby our local governments. And that's a lot of, you know, what we do here in Ojai with Extinction Rebellion. You know, I founded a, a local chapter here. And so it's about getting involved. So what does it take to get involved? And so in the book, I say that consider that 75%, okay, it's a nominal figure as, as you know, to, to be exemplary. Consider that 75% of what, of what, how do I phrase it? 75% of, um, of what's necessary for us to move from our inside thoughts and feelings and our internal experience of ourselves in the world to actually taking the steps in the world that matter have to do with what's inside us, right? So, so much of climate action is focused on what can we do? How can we act? How can we act? But the, the, the fact is that not enough people have acted in, in terms of 
um, taking care of their own lives and addressing the greater good in terms of joining with community, connecting with the natural world, doing volunteer work, and, and addressing and trying to lobby local government to reduce climate emissions. Absolutely. That was a big mouthful, so I hope. I thought it was great. And you're so right. And speaking of something obviously right on our plate at the moment that's very difficult is this COVID crisis. So how can, you know, we're all experiencing COVID together, every single person in the world. And I think it is seeming to wake people up to the fact is, you know, no matter where you live in the world, we're all actually going through this. So how do you think that energy that, that we've created through this could be used to benefit climate change in the future? That's a great question. So I, you know, first of all, I want to point out that the coronavirus pandemic, you know, COVID as we call it, is not separate from climate change. So there have been studies and, and, and um, you know, good ideas put together showing that it's because of human beings you know, because of our infringing upon and destroying the natural world, they were causing animals such as bats, right, that, that carried the virus to not be able to process the viral load um, that they usually do. So the decreased amount of insects that, that bats consume, the, um, the proximity of human beings to the wild animal population is becoming more and more diminished. So we're having more and more contact in, in in inappropriate ways with the natural world that is causing that transference of viruses from the animal kingdom, you know, into the human animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that also happens with factory farming and, you know, mad cow disease and, you know, others in the future in, in the, that other diseases that have broken out in the past. So um, getting back to your question so that COVID is not separate from the climate crisis. And in, you know, I describe it as, as the gateway into the climate crisis proper, because it's like, here we are in crisis, right? We are in crisis. And then we have this unsustainable way that human beings live on the planet. We fly all over the world and we transmit the virus all over the world, right? So our way of travel, our way of being on the planet is unsustainable. The, the way that we contracted the virus in the first place is because of insustainable relationship with the natural world. So what we have to learn right now, uh, you know, with COVID as it applies to the climate crisis is everything. Like this is the climate crisis in a sense. So COVID just like the lava experience was an example of, um, you know, a, a traumatic climactic event. So is COVID, it's also a traumatic climactic event because it's you know it's a it's a natural disease process that's happening so what's so what can we do about that how can we learn we can learn what it's like to be in crisis you know everybody's experienced crisis so everyone's experiencing you know a version of lava covering their community right it's like you know in a in an archetypal sense it's like we're being impinged upon we're experiencing fear we're, we're We'll be right back. Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. 
If you are experiencing anxiety, depression, or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today. Welcome back to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. You can visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. What I argue in the book is, and it's actually, I've, I've boiled it down, that our emotions determine a lot of our beliefs, right? So the way that we're affected in the world affects what, we, what conclusions we come to about the world. So if, our, if we're not healing through our emotions, right, we develop grudges, we, de- we develop false and excessive wrong beliefs about the world. So, so this way that we develop emotional intelligence, the way that we heal through difficult experiences, especially with the things that impinge upon us. So instead of being, you know, carved and contracted into these rigid, fragmented beings, when we heal emotionally, when we go through a lot of the principles that I cover in the book, we become more whole, okay? And so another big thing of what's happening during this COVID crisis is that it's triggering a lot of our past pain. In the book, I say, um, I say that our, our personal traumas and our collective trauma, okay, so the number of traumas that we're experiencing outwardly intersect in our hearts. And that means that As we experience difficulty from the outside, it triggers our personal past difficulties. So instead of shying away, right, instead of shrinking away from, oh, wow, that's scary. And, and, you know, know, this doesn't really happen consciously, but unconsciously, oh, I'm shrinking away from my past again. I'm shrinking away from what's coming at me. If we just can open a little bit to that, if we can open a little bit to that, we can begin to see that this is an opportunity not only to help heal our past, but to also help what's heal what's happening now and to heal our future now to begin to act in ways that, that, that have integrity. Absolutely. I do a lot of work um, in past lives where we not only go into the past, but then we end the session by going into the future to a place where we are creating the world we truly want. And in a sense of like spiritual um, reverse engineering and just mm-hmm. holding those intentions in our thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think that what you're saying is absolutely true. We've got to open up to those fears. And this has certainly been a situation that everyone um, on the planet has had to deal with in their own little special way. So, right, right. Very, and, very and, interesting. Yeah. And I just want to tack on one little thought to that is that this triangle resilience relationship, I was, relationships I was talking about, it's, it's so crucial. Like you can't go through transformational work. You can't go through deep emotional work without having the support you need. So I discuss that in the book and it's like, you know, in our culture, we don't have the support. We, we have a 
terrible, unfair medical system. A lot of people don't get the health that they need, especially mental health. And then the quality of mental health is not very good. So we need this kind of support. And the book is actually, I have it right here. The, the, the book is actually um, a, a guide, right? So it's a guide for deep emotional healing and transformation so that we can leverage difficulty into healing and oneness and goodness and thriving. And that's a very different perspective than what we go through when we don't consciously engage with difficulty and crisis and trauma, right? The, the, the knee-jerk unconscious reaction is to shut down. So this book teaches how to stay open appropriately and to receive the support that we need to make this an opportunity from the crisis, an opportunity to heal our own hearts, what's inside us already, and to motivate and to thrive into creating a beautiful present and tomorrow and, and, and further on future. Climate Cure, it is an amazing book. So how can we get a hold of you? Give out your website and your social media where we can connect. So the um, my website is jackadamweber.com. That's J-A-C-K-A-D-A-M-W-E-B-E-R. There's only one B in Weber. At, uh, sorry, jackadamweber.com. So used to saying my email address. My email address is jackadamweber at gmail.com. Um, you can buy my book there. You can also find it on Amazon. And I'm on Facebook, Jack Adam Weber, Ojai, O-J-A-I. You can find me on there. I have a professional page and a personal page. Um, so yeah, like that. It's, it's easy. Look up Climate Cure on Amazon. Um, and I want to mention one last thing is that the, I mentioned that the book is a guide. It's it's a guide in the sense also that they're exercises, right? So the the information can be um, it is complex in a sense, but it, but it's also in plain language, but it's I bring it home by creating these personal exercises so that the exercises are throughout the chapters and they're at the end of every chapter and it's a guide in that sense. So it makes all the material personal to each person who picks up the book so that so that it's not you know, ethereal and ephemeral, it's, it's grounded and, and they're actual exercises that people do to, to create this kind of inner outer healing um, dynamic. And also uh, from the outside to the inside of certain, um, you know, field trips and things you can do in the world that, that actually help um, bring in new kinds of experiences to the, for the, for the readers. It's amazing. Um, I really love the exercises because I'm a big believer in, in that also. And I do love the way, yes, they're interspersed. You can go through something, try a little exercise and then keep going on. It's a wonderful book. Highly recommended. Check it out. And Jack, it's been a joy to connect with you. You're doing amazing work and I wish Thank you, you all the peace and happiness in the world. And we shall see how it's all going to unfold in the future. What an interesting conversation. I hope you loved my discussion with Jack Adam Weber. And if you want to check it out, remember to head over to my Past Life Lady YouTube channel and you can see the video there. So what we have coming up, we are here now in the middle of our week-long series of new shows coming out every single day to kick off 2021. So stay tuned for another episode of Healing Arts tomorrow. And until then, have a wonderful day and I'll see you soon.
Hey friends, it's Dr. Shelley. I have an amazing new book that's being released on May 8th. It's called Past Lives with Pets. That's right. Have you known your little fuzzball in a past life? Maybe you have. And guess what? A lot of my clients say yes. And in this book, we will explore the past lives of my clients and you'll have opportunities to take guided journeys and see your own connections to your lovely little furry companions. There's also tons of other exercises to help you recover from the grief of losing your pet. You can meet your animal spirit totems, learn how to communicate with animals, and so much more. So click on the links and check out my new book. You're going to love it. Past Life with Pets, coming out May 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide.